Hello, and welcome to Just Another Real Estate Podcast, where we'll speak with Arizona's most successful real estate professionals to better understand their business, current market conditions, team and business building strategies, successes, and challenges. This podcast is brought to you by Dwell Inspect Arizona with your host, Sean Garvey. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Real Estate Podcast. Um, Today's guest is Austin Clearance with Guaranteed Rate a mortgage broker or loan originator. Um, we decided to go this direction because uh, the topic of conversation as of late, especially in the Phoenix Martin market, is interest rates, right? So welcome, Austin. Let's have a little background information. I'm super excited to hear you. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sean, thanks for having me on, partner. I appreciate the platform. Always fun to have a discussion. Austin Clarence, I'm a loan officer at Guaranteed Rate, I work out of our Scottsdale Road, Lincoln Branch, right on the Paradise Valley border. Been at the company about a year, been in the industry about seven years. So retail loan officer, I'm out there working the streets, trying to find leads, help new buyers with purchase transactions or refinance. And it's been a blast. So I love what I do. I've been doing it for just under seven years. I was in school year before, or for four years before that down in Tucson. Moved up here eventually after school and I uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I got a job at Rocket Mortgage and I've been doing mortgages cool. ever since. So I love it. It's fun. Get to help people with one of the more exciting transactions of their lives, buying a house, building wealth and having a blast and never, never turned back. Yeah, you've done it yourself too. And I've watched your business progress. I think we were first introduced several years ago. Um, I think we've inspected a few houses for yourself and your family. Um, probably when you were just getting started into the the loan business or the the money business, um, when you started with Rocket Station, Rocket Station, uh, Rocket Mortgage, um, isn't that more of an inbound like pick up the phone calls are coming towards you, and now you've shifted towards more of an outbound servicing the client, finding the client type business? Exactly, I've, I've kind of switched up the the way I get my leads. Rocket Mortgage, they're, I think, believe they're still the largest mortgage company in the country. So they do wow. a ton of volume. They're getting hit right now because they're more refinance based. I was on helping out with their purchase transactions. But yeah, to answer your question, Rocket Mortgage, you're going to you're gonna use 100% of the leads the company gives you. So it's not self-sourced. I guess there's two ways you can be a loan officer. It's retail is self-sourced. That's when you're out there finding your own leads or a a more of an online lender business model like a rocket mortgage where they're sponsoring the Super Bowl halftime shows, they're blasting the yeah. name on the radio. You probably can't go a second without seeing it. That is the uh, the more consumer direct version where they give you the leads. They have a great training program. I don't regret working at Rocket, even though it was a, a tough year. It's it's more churn and burn, it's less transaction, sorry, less relationship based, probably more transaction based. You're gonna get 15 leads a day and you have to make whatever you can of those opportunities as opposed to now I have more control with my day-to-day. I'm out there working the relationships with referral partners, trying to find new people to help. So definitely a lot of differences with that. However, they have a great training program. I got licensed there. They, They put a lot of time and energy on coaching, more a lot of sales tactics, kind of overcoming objections with credit pools. So I'm confident that I've parlayed a lot of those skills to what I do now, taking away what I wanted to. I worked there for one year and it was a great, a great first 12 months in the industry. 
let's go back just a touch further for for anybody who may be interested in in diving into the mortgage based business. Um, you said you got licensed there. What does it take to be a licensed? Um, and and let me, forgive me, I've heard loan officer or loan originator. Is there a difference or is that it's the exact same thing? It's a great question. Okay. It's funny how many names there are. There's mortgage banker, loan officer, mortgage loan originator. So there's like a dozen terms for the exact same role. It's funny how every company wants to make it seem special in their own way and, and kind of create their own. But exact same thing. A mortgage broker is completely different than a mortgage lender. We can talk about that a little bit later. But mortgage broker okay. is just an individual sending the loan out. A loan officer is whoever helps out with the financing for a purchase transaction, a refinance, a home equity line of credit, any mortgage that's taken out or any loans taken out and secured by the property. That's a mortgage transaction that a loan officer would help out with. So yeah, getting licensed, it's tough. Every company has a very different approach to how they're going to help you get licensed. If they're going to help you, some companies will throw you a textbook and a calculator and say, good luck, come in in 45 days. And those are usually the companies that have a very high fail rate, shockingly. Sure. Fortunately, Rocket was had a great training program at Rocket Mortgage, now also known as Quicken Loans. You're in the classroom for 30 days, 8 to 5 o'clock, and they're studying away. You got your calculator, pen. They're on the chalkboard, just drawing away with arms, terms, a lot of federal law. So it's a lot of book work. It's not super exciting. You do use about like 20% of that with day-to-day tasks as a loan officer. A lot of it's federal law that is more kind of compliance-based. It can get a little boring in there, but it's a great uh, training program they have there. And you're in there for 30 days and you have to get like a, a 70% on the SAFE exam. Once you're licensed, the SAFE is a federal exam. Then okay. you can get state licenses as you go. Fortunately, they are at Rocket. They've sponsored and got me licensed for 15 states, five of which I've renewed and still operate wow. in. Every company is different. Though. A lot of companies you're going to study on your own. It might take you three to six months. It might take you two to three times to pass a test. Uh, fortunately, they had a really good hands-on training program there where I got a lot of coaching, a lot of teaching. But yeah, passing the SAFE exam, it's it's easier said than done. It's going to be a lot of work, and it's it's on you to, to do that. So you're going to have to come in, work weekends, put the distractions aside. Once you get that test, you'll never have to take it again as long as you renew it. So hard part's done. Then the fun part is having conversations, working with referral partners, trying to find new business. Sounds like... Um... It actually sounds like even though maybe it wasn't the best avenue or most exciting portion of the business, it sounded like a really great launching spot for um, high success rate for your license or at least uh, possibly for a high success rate uh, for your license. And then um, really good fundamentals into the business and set you up for success into your different, different evolutions or growth through the business. Exactly. And I think it's a great company to get started at. If there's anyone out there who's wants to become a realtor, wants to become a loan officer, just maybe graduating college. I think finding a big company with a brand name that has a, a more proven track record of teaching, sure. coaching, and educating, it's a great way to get started in any kind of market, regardless of the industry. So I'm, I'm super happy I worked there for a year. wouldn't want to have worked there any longer, but I, I took what I could from that opportunity and super fortunate of the program. And they're a massive company with a great reputation. So I think that's always a great step after school when you are either 100% sure of what you want to do, or maybe you just want to get the foundation nailed down and perfectly down iron class so you can you know, build the rest of your skill set as you grow and you get more experience over the years. That's awesome. 
And so as you made that shift, as you, as you move from, you know, um, uh, youth to adolescence, um, infancy to adolescence, uh, what did you look for uh, into your next um, partnership, shall we say? So you're, you're growing from full inbound calls. Now you got to go out and, and find new clients and, and you also have to find a new company to partner with. Is that right? Exactly. That's a big, it's a big step is finding that next company. Luckily, I found a smaller, more local based community lender called Land Home Financial. I worked there for four uh-huh. years and it was a great experience, but it's definitely drinking out of a fire hose after you're sure. getting leads all day. You're under the gun. You're listening to all your calls. Then all of a sudden they give you a laptop and say, you know, good luck. You have the, the basics down <laughs> now trying to bring in some revenue for the company, right? Try to go find some some new deals, relationships. It, it was a lot. And at first it was was tough and kind of hard to overcome. But you have to get out there. You have to just get as much experience as you can. Go shake some hands, you know, kiss some babies. It's going to be slow, but kind of old school sales tactics, right? Just stay in front of the right people, network it, you know, talk to strangers and ask them if they ever have mortgage questions. And that's definitely a weird feeling after being under the gun at Rocket where it's like, here, lead, lead, lead. What's your conversion rate stats, your call time? All of a sudden, no one cares about that. It's like, are you closing units? So it's really on you, on, on myself. And I think a lot of people feel that you know, as they get that second job after school, kind of leave the huge corporate environment for maybe a smaller company that's more of a fit for them. It's more of a relationship-based lending model. So you got to get out there, go to open houses, go network it with realtors, get out there, plan events, have some fun with it too. Obviously, it's going to be tough to do if you're not a people person if you don't enjoy those day-to-day tasks, but luckily I, I liked it. I had passion in it. So you're able to kind of overcome the the lows and, and enjoy the highs when you have them and kind of adjust to the market conditions that you're in, which now I think we're we're still doing as we see, you know, higher mortgage rate environment. Business is slowing down. It's just an even better time to keep picking up the phone, keep checking in on your family, mm-hmm. keep blasting emails, handwritten letters, whatever you can to to stay in touch, to stay top of mind and I think that's something that you just got to keep with throughout your time in the industry if you really want to expand your business. I I commend you in that respect uh, to making the shift and developing your business. Um, it's not easy to leave something that that is um, kind of comforting and a given. Um, you had you had leads coming in on the phone, um, and then you you basically burned the ship and and went out. Um, with a new company, they give you a laptop and basically no directions. Um, it sounds like you really pounded the payment. Um, you gave several examples of, of uh, marketing, which which I technically internally call old school marketing, which is going out, shaking hands, um, you know, meeting people and talking to them about your business and whoever would listen. Um, and it's sometimes it's heartbreaking, you know, like not heartbreaking per se, but um, you may go out for two, three, four six months and make no progress and then you just get a little bit of shining momentum and, and that's enough to propel you into the first deal and then the next deal um and and i talk your your story is similar i talk to real estate agents all day long and, and their first six months to a year or so is a challenging until until they get out of their own way and, and get into the comfort zone or get out of the comfort zone burn the ship something we got to do exactly you really got to take that step and it's it's going to feel uncomfortable but i think that's really a a theme of life that regardless of what you do, you, you have to do to make yourself a better version of yourself to take that step in your business. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel weird walking into the first 50 of 100 open houses. If you've never done it before, what do you do? What do I say? What do I wear? And I think anyone can kind of relate to that when you're 
starting a new business, it's, it's going to feel a little awkward. You're not going to know every single answer, but you, you get experience. Everyone gets a little bit easier, 1% better every day. And that's what you can try to parlay to the next step. Keep on building, keep on growing, learning, asking questions. And the first few years of any career is going to be tough. And you're going to have days where maybe you're not eating the, the checked income because you had a bad month. And it's like, shoot, is this, is this for me? But you got to know at the end of the day it is because you put in that, that sweat equity, the blood, sweat, and tears. And now you get to keep on grinding through the, the lows to reap the rewards of the highs. And I think we've kind of seen that the past couple of years. We saw mortgage transactions, purchase transactions blow up when interest yep. rates were at the all-time low in the twos last year. And now they're you know, in the high sixes, 7% range with the national average. You just got to adapt. And there's going to be slow times, high times. But the slow times is when it's really on you to, if you want to grow your business, to work on the small things that maybe you weren't invested at before to try to make yourself a better version of what you were last year. So I totally agree. We're, we're taking this time um, to recalibrate a, a lot of our systems um, and to look at what's worked over the time. Cause when it's, when it's boom and busy, it's, it's easy to be just good enough, but now's the time where we're tightening up and, and we're getting great. Um, and so when this starts to subside and, and things start to mellow again, we're, we're going to come out of the gates flying. Um, our marketing systems are going to be good. Our internal systems are going to be good. Um, our inbound phone calls and reception and, and follow-up is, is just going to be that much tighter. Um, we're working with all our eight, uh, inspectors on, on perfecting their systems and, and, uh, and developing that higher level of service. Uh, before we keep going on, um, I just have to circle back because it just reminded me of thought. And I don't know if I've ever even told anybody this story, but um, you talked about going into that first open house. Um, and when I started my first business eight, nine years ago in Hawaii, um, I guess it's, uh, yeah, we're about eight, nine years ago. Uh, now, uh, I went to an open house. Um, and the first one I ever went into, I was so unbelievably nervous. I got out of the car. I walked up. It was a condo. I got to that door and reached for the door handle and like my, my palms were sweating. And I swear I went, I walked, I turned around, I walked back, I sat in the car. I had to give myself a, um, a pep talk. And then it was like, uh, you know, the light bulb went on and I went in and I went in and met the agent, handed him a card, couldn't get out of there fast enough. But each time you went, it got a little bit easier and more comfortable. And, but if I didn't, you know, if I got in the car, started and took off, I never would have forgiven myself. So it's something you have to do is get out of that comfort zone. Yep. I think incremental daily progress is a huge, huge theme there. Yeah. It's going to feel weird. The hands are going to be sweaty and you're going to you're sipping your water. Your lips are getting chapped on the first couple. Then the, the the 10th is a little bit easier. Then you go to 50 <laughs> and then you might still feel a little nervous. It might still be a little bit awkward. You might have to do a couple hundred. Everyone's going to respond differently, but we can all relate to that. The first day I worked, the first time making that cold call, we all remember those conversations. You're you're talking so fast. Um, um. You're you're setting over your words. Everyone's been there. It doesn't matter if you're on the phones. If you're door to door, can be a little bit tough walking in open houses because you got another human in front of you. Maybe you're a little sure. intimidated. But as soon as you get these reps, 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 incremental daily progress, everyone gets a little bit easier. You grow that confidence and self esteem, and and the conversations become easier. And you just keep on building, and and there's no looking back after you. Uh, you keep going from there. You keep going. Yep. hundred percent. Um, so like I mentioned, it's, it's really easy in good times to kind of slow all that down. And you've mentioned that as it's slowing down, we're seeing pretty low levels right now of activity, uh, in the Phoenix market and then national market. 
Um, what are some incremental daily reps that you've been doing to continue to grow your business uh, as as it's slower right now? Yeah, definitely. As I think any realtor loan officer is feeling that right now, volumes dropped off. I believe it's about sure. 80% less mortgage volume right now than where we were 12 months ago. So I mean, business <laughs> for a lot of people just fell off a, a precipice. A lot of people sure. are, are exiting the industry and there's a lot of negativity in the marketplace for consumers, home buyers, realtors. So you got to you gotta block that out and stay focused and realize you can already been through the, the tougher times. I think it's important to have just day-to-day tasks that you're going to do five days a week. Don't say three days a week and miss on a couple of days. Just every day I walk in the office and I, I pick up the phone and try to call 10 clients, have a conversation. Don't ask them who if they need any help or if they have any mortgage questions. Just be a friend, check in, you know, how's the dog? How's this? Congratulations on relocating. And this is amazing. Just have fun conversations. It's good to talk to people. And if you have a an honest conversation with someone that's just person to person, mano to mano, I think anyone can relate to that. So I try to do that with my referral partners, with past clients, with anyone I know who might be looking to buy a house in one to two years. Have as much possible dialogue as possible and just get out there. Go to go to events. Try to stay busy. There's so many events on Eventbrite nowadays. It doesn't really matter what you do for work. If you're self-employed, there's so many ways you can go out there and tackle it with the digital era. I think it's just important to stay busy. For example, I didn't even have a, an Instagram account for my, my business until six months ago. Now I try to post three videos a week. I've had a lot of success meeting new clients. I got an application yesterday. Yeah. And it's cool to see that come to fruition when I didn't even have the business account. I always thought it was kind of a, a joke that you know people don't get business off of Facebook and Instagram. And, and boy, was I wrong. Maybe that was right five, six years ago. But you really got to adapt to the market. It's a digital era. Everyone's on their phones, consuming away with Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. So getting out there, it's a great way to stay in front of business partners, of prospective clients, have people interact with you. So I try to block off time every single day to do 10 phone calls of past clients, try to keep up with my referral partners, send them texts when football games are going on, just try to remember how we can relate to anyone and, and stay in touch. And then I'll, I'll block off, try to do 10, 15 minutes a day of, believe it or not, engaging on TikTok, on Instagram with new accounts, other mortgage realtor accounts, financial advisors, just consumers that have questions and comments. Just take the time to respond because you have the time in your day now. And, you know, this is something a year ago, I didn't think anyone was, would ever get a business or a deal off of TikTok. And now I have a few applications that have come in the past 60 days of people that are in different states that really don't know anything about me. but. Maybe they pull up the profile and they can see how they can relate to me here. They like the way I spoke about this there. And there's some there's 1.4 million users on TikTok and there's over sorry, 1.4 billion. Billion. There's yeah. over one billion daily active users on TikTok, which is like a staggering stat, probably gonna pass up Instagram. So anyone who wants to start dead. Yeah. Do you guys have your, your TikTok account? Have you kind of dabbled in there? I wasn't on it until a few months ago either. It was even after my Instagram. We've dabbled in it. Um, probably not. It's it's more of a byproduct. Like, um, you know, we, we generally film the best things that I can post are basically like shock and awe type stuff. Um, and, and that gets the uh, most consistently most um, engagement ever, you know, like, look, we saw this or isn't this weird or what do you think here? Um, and, and so 
we're generally filming with the intent of posting on Instagram and Facebook. And as a byproduct, I'll, I'll post it to TikTok just kind of so that I can start to learn what works over there. Um, it's really strange. We have, we have one video that has about 17,000 views on it. And it's simply just wow. one of our inspectors cutting the lock off an electrical panel. Uh, and then we have other stuff that I think is, you know, like this can't miss, like the whole world's going to see it. And it's got like 40 views, you know? So I, I, I haven't quite figured out the, the chemistry of it, except for just to keep posting until you figure it out. Uh, exactly. I, I heard a couple things in that, in that blast, um, or the last segment that you talked about, which really kind of intrigued me. Uh, and it's cause I think it's during these slower times, it's, it's easy to get maybe scared, um, nervous, um, lazy, uh, cause it's, it's hard to do, or it's easy to do things other than what you're supposed to be doing. And that makes you feel busy, but not productive. Uh, and for those that are not watching, I just throw up air quotes on the busy part. And so you sound like you're pretty regiment in calling 10 people. And when you have those 10 conversations, you're really, it's probably uplifting and you're making connections and you're hearing, uh, success stories and you're sharing positivity. You're probably sharing some negativity too, but it makes you feel like you're not alone. Uh, and I also like that you said 10 to 15 minutes of engagement on social medias as opposed to 10 to 15 hours, <laughs> which is yeah. easy to do. Uh, it can so happen quickly. Think, <laughs> yeah, it can. So I think it's important to to kind of reach out and, and, and there's business out there. You just have to work a little bit harder to get it right now and just keep getting it. And when you get it, it gets grateful. You feel grateful for it. And this will pass, right? Exactly. It's just a, a transitory period where it's going to be slower. There's going to be busier periods. But if you have a week go by where you, you miss those things, or maybe because it's it's slower and there's you don't have the phone ringing, no one's going to notice. If you go to the shopping center, you buy that new shirt, you take your your, your dog to the the park during the middle of the day for an hour, no one's going to notice really. If you're if you're uh, either self employed or maybe you report you're more commission based, a lot of loan officers work fully remote, so you can. Sleep until 9.30 if you want to, but that's not going to help you or your business. You got to keep yourself disciplined every single day. You know, wake up at uh, at 6.30 a.m., go on a walk, start my day, then knock out the 15 calls. I write it on my calendar or on my little agenda every single morning. And I check it off. And it feels great just to check it off. So if you don't have consistent habits that you do year-round, not just when it's slower, I'll do those too when I'm busy. I'll shift it and maybe do five minutes of engaging instead of 10 to 15. So you just got to adjust as you go. It's never going to be the exact same market one year as the next. You're constantly adapting and constantly trying to carry the good habits, you know, look at your business, look at your day. What did I do wrong? How did I get distracted? How can I eliminate that? Like I love my girlfriend to death. She works from home with me every now and then. Oftentimes it can be kind of distracting for me when she comes in here and asks about the weekend, grabbing a drink or doing this. And I love the conversation, but I know I got to put myself in the office. I got to go in the office four days a week so I can shut the door, dial in, hit the phones. I don't hear a peep. I got my uh, video set up so I can knock out my videos. So it's going to affect everyone a little bit differently. You got to know yourself. You got to know what you can get tempted to. How can I eliminate distractions nowadays? So many people work from home and I think we can all kind of relate to that, but it's, you got to hold yourself accountable because then the day your branch manager, your boss, people above you, you know, they're, they're focused on you and your production. They're not going to babysit you and you got to grow mature, carry on the good habits, eliminate the bad ones. hundred percent. And I think it's, um, there's a, so when I do inspections, especially in the nicer houses, um, 
I have a little thing that I do. It's kind of funny, but I have a little thing that I do. But when I walk by a bookcase, I look at the books. Um, and I, when I'm in a nicer, more successful person's house, um, I'll look at the books and see if they have anything different than I have. Uh, and the other day when I was in a really nice house, uh, I saw a book, which I think is, and I haven't even read it and I haven't even looked at it. It's on my Amazon wish list, so I'm going to get to it. But the title was, and I think it's ap- uh, it applies to the current situation, which is every day is game day, uh, meaning that you show up every day um, and you're ready to work and you work like it's going to be a productive day and, and it's time to play the game because it is. And the game's just changed a little bit and it, it will get back to normal. So I'll ha- now have to read it and report back and do a book report on that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's a good way to put it, and and holding them accountable, and then they have to hold themselves accountable, right? You got a yeah. team, and if they want to stick it out in this industry, they're going to have to get a little bit better. The tension of detail with the properties, yeah. the inspections—it's like the little nuances that once you enter year two, three, four, fifteen, that's what you're really working on. You have the foundation, and you're just yeah. trying to tweak the small little things. How can I make this conversation a little bit easier? If I lost a deal, lost a client. What did I do? I'll, I'll try to reflect, ask the realtor, what could I have done differently? How did I, how did we lose Joe to mortgage company X down the street? You got to reflect. Yeah, interesting. You got to tweak a little bit, improve. And if you're not doing that, you're just going to plateau and that's not going to be fun for your paycheck, your productivity and your, your life. 100%. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room. So you mentioned it, uh, mortgage rates are at six and a half, seven percent Um what does that what does that look like for buyers right now? And then what are you kind of doing to help uh, buyers win? Obviously, the refinance uh, game is on pause, right? So that, there's probably not a lot of refinancing coming in. That's already happened. Um, now we're just focused on new buyer acquisitions, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why focusing on purchase business as a loan officer is the, the smartest mm-hmm. long-term route because you can weather any storm if you have the, the purchase acquisition business like you talked about. Refinances have really dropped off completely since last year, which is probably the best refinance year on record 2021 and 2020 were absolutely sure. unreal. So you got to adapt to the market. For example, now very few loan officers are doing any kind of refinances. So now you're rolling out key lock programs, which is for anyone who doesn't know, it's a second mortgage against your house that you take out to keep your first loan and that first excellent interest rate intact. You can take out a second mortgage. You can use that money to buy another property to pay off debt. We just rolled out a program here at Guaranteed Rate. It takes five days to close. You just scan the QR code to get the money in five days. No appraisal, wow. very little underwriting. And and so the new, new programs do come out during times like this where market's down. There's always new stuff that... At least this company is rolling out. But yeah, it can be tougher for a home buyer given the market. Purchasing power is diminished, right? Buyers can't afford the same price home they could last year. So that's tough. Affordability is down because home prices are still staying up. But then you have mm-hmm. mortgage rates. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. just hits you both directions there. But there is more opportunity now. So for those buyers that can still qualify, that do want the goal of home ownership, which I think any American, that's kind of all in the back of our heads, maybe... It's this year, maybe it's next year. Everyone wants to own a property at some point in their life. Still, the easiest way to build wealth in this company or in this world is through real estate. So programs are always coming out. For example, two one buy down. Never done one in my life until a couple of months ago. And that program is essentially going to allow 
a home buyer to get an interest rate that's 2% below the par rate. So for example, let's just say we're at a 6% interest rate today. For the first year, you get a 4% rate. Your payment's going to shave off a few hundred bucks depending on the loan amount. Second year, you're going to be at a 5%. Year three through 30, you're going to be at that original no rate. So a lot of home buyers might say, I don't know if this is for me. I might wait for rates to come down. And while you could still do that, you can still get that low almost COVID era interest rate by doing a two one buy down and the seller's going to pay it too. There's so many incentives out there because the market has shifted. We're no longer in an extreme seller's market. Most parts of the Valley right now, Phoenix area are in a balanced market, maybe even shifting towards kind of a buyer's market in some of the outskirts like Buckeye, Goodyear in the corners of the Valley. So with that buyer's market shift and all the inventory sitting, there's these crazy incentives like Sellers are covering all closing costs, so buyers can now buy a house with just 3% down. I had a closing, actually, I think it probably is going to record this morning with a referral moving from San Francisco to Phoenix. He bought a house with 3% down. He initially got a $6,000 credit to cover all of his closing costs. During the home inspection, I believe it was actually through you, funny enough, they found a couple of small defects with the house. You leveraged that as a tool to get another $8,000 incentive. So now he has a $13,000 credit on a $530,000 house. So he has his closing costs covered. In addition, he's buying his interest rate down all the way almost a full percent of a rate down with that massive credit. So he's, he's got an amazing interest rate. He's, he's stoked. He's buying the house. Yeah, there's he did battle through the higher rate, but that didn't really impact him because of these incentives happening. And he got his dream home that now he's probably going to live at for a year, buy a short-term rental, then do it again. So I think because of the shift in the market, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for home values are still up. In some instances, are even dropping. But there's a lot of sellers who are getting desperate now that want to sell that house. They're going to give out these incentives with a price drop. They will give a seller credit to cover closing yeah. costs. They're going to do that 2-1 buy-down to shave off 400 bucks off your payment. So there's so many new programs that are rolling out that, no one even really knew about three, four months ago because it wasn't necessary when rates were a little bit closer to where they were last year. But in this instance, you can still get a great interest rate. You can still get that monthly payment because at the end of the day, it's not about the rate, right? You're, you're buying the house and you're going to have the monthly payment for 30 years. And the 2-1 buy-down program, you're going to have that for one year, then two years going to adjust and three years if a year after is going to be that normal no rate, you have the opportunity to refinance. So those are just things that weren't out there before buying a house a year ago. You have to kind of give your soul to that house. It was, it's sad. You have to waive inspection, appraisal, sure. get an inspection just for yourself because you can't ask them to cover anything just so you know the property's in, in good shape. Now you can get, get that home inspection, leverage that as a tool to get those other credits. So it's great to have a, a thorough inspection like Dwell Inspect because there's so much stuff on there <laughs> popping up on your guys' reports. It's just more ammo for a buyer's agent, more ammo for that buyer to get that lower interest rate, to get that price drop, to maybe make that payment a little bit more affordable. So those are programs that have dropped the past couple of months. We're not there before because we're in a balanced or buyer's market. These programs are happening. They're making it more affordable. And I think we're going to see a ton of that throughout the course of this year, probably early into spring. Eventually, rates are going to come down. That's what's going to happen once inflation comes under control. And so then when we have the higher mortgage rate environment we're going to navigate these waters with those tools that we have with the markets with the leverage of being a buyer's market by sellers being desperate to sell the house so they can relocate so they can kind of get that off their books so to speak there's just 
more opportunity out there that wasn't there before. So these are all things that we try to educate buyers with early on. Maybe they have some doubts and you can ask the question, did you know this program is out there? And then to kind of explain, touch over all the different options and tools and ammo we have to sell them to make home buying that much more affordable. Amazing. Uh, I, I appreciate the creativity that, that the, the money market has made heading into this and the, and the speed at which it was applied. Um, let me just ask a couple of quick follow-up questions in regards to that. So you mentioned a key lock, which is basically taking a second mortgage on your house so that you can apply it to buy another house. Do you then eliminate that first message, uh, message mortgage and transfer it over? Or is this so that you can buy two houses, like an investment house? Yeah, so the HELOC, home equity line of credit for anyone who doesn't know. You oh, can HELOC, think of it as a said, big, sorry. Yeah, it's basically a big credit card you have against your house that you can use a credit line of maybe $100,000. You take out a $50,000 HELOC, you pay it down, you can use the rest of that HELOC before that draw period ends. So I'm seeing a lot of people, the four months we've had that program, will use that to buy an investment property, to buy another property. Use that for home improvements, maybe to put the pool in the backyard. I have a buddy who's getting ready to put his house as a short-term rental before the Super Bowl. So he's putting a pool in there right now, and he took out a HELOC to do that. So it just gives you kind of more options to build sweat equity for your home, to buy a new property, to continue to buy real estate in this market. So there's there's more options out there, and the HELOC is a great program. A lot of lenders offer that. Some don't. But we get a pretty easy one here that uh, I've seen people close within a week, and people are loving it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, second follow-up question is, what does um, what does a refinance look like? What does it cost somebody to refinance? So, you know, everybody's saying that rates are going to go down in a couple of years, and nobody has a crystal ball for sure. But let's say they go down from, we're at 7%, let's say they end up at 3.5%. Um, somebody obviously wants to take advantage of that drop. What does a refinance look like? Yeah, definitely. I think we'll probably see a little refinance wave coming up maybe around this time yeah. next year when rates continue to dissipate as inflation becomes more under control with the Federal Reserve's current rate hikes. They have two more rate hikes this year, and then we'll probably see a six-month period where rates stay flat. And then eventually the Fed's going to have to cut those the federal funds rates, which is closely tied to mortgage rates. It helps control inflation. So refinance opportunity is always going to be there. Some people will do there's two options with a refinance. You have a cash out refinance, which is when you're paying off your current loan balance, and then you're taking out equity either to pay off bills, to buy another property. You can use them like if you want to go to Vegas, take the money to Vegas, you can, but obviously it's not the best <laughs> move. But you can give you 100% freedom to do the cash out refinance. You are going to pay off that initial loan you have and get that new market interest rate. The second option is a rate and term refinance, which is typically done to lower your interest rate to change the term. Maybe you want to go from a 30-year to a 15-year because your income increased. You want to pay the loan off faster, shave off a little bit off your interest rate, pay less interest over the course of the loan because you're paying it off in a faster term. That's what the refinance consists of. Uh, there's fees that come with a refinance. You have the lender fees, uh, title fees, title and escrow. You're going to oftentimes pay for an appraisal. And those are the three components of, of closing costs. Oftentimes, it can be about four, four to five thousand dollars, depending on if you buy down your interest rate, you can buy points or discount points to get a lower interest rate, which can set you up long term. So every every transaction is going to be different. You you really want to, as a loan officer, tailor that to the to the homeowner, to the buyer. How long do you see yourself 
living in the property for? Do you want to own another house next year? What are your long-term real estate plans? The more information you have, the more empowered I am as a loan officer to give them options for that refinance to get creative, show them as many options as possible, eliminate the ones that don't fit their specific scenario, whether it's a refinance or purchase. I'm always going to dig deep with that client, you know, have that good conversation of what their long-term goals are, what are their goals sure. with their spouse in terms of paying off debt. They're getting killed by the credit cards that they only want $30,000 balance. Maybe it's not worth doing a full-blown refinance to pay off that first loan to sacrifice an interest rate, maybe a, a HELOC. Home equity line of credit makes more sense for their needs. So that's why more information you have, the better you can let them know which options make sense, which options are available at the time. And so um, if I choose to refinance and you said it's like four to five grand, am I writing a check or or do you just build that in and like no money has to come out of my account? Or does it depend? Good question. Yeah, it, it depends. You can always pay that money up front at the time of closing. Typically, mm -hmm. closing costs are just added back into the loan balance. So you never have okay. to worry about coming out of pocket. Sometimes you can do that with appraisals. A lot of lenders do what's called property inspection waiver, which is where you do not have to order the appraisal at all. If you have a lot of equity in the house, whether you're purchasing it or refinancing, as long as you have 20% equity, and if it's a primary residence, you have the option or at least the possibility of having a property inspection waiver, which is where you just don't have to have the appraisal at all. So we're seeing that more and more with the higher values that we have right now. Uh, fortunately, Guaranteed Rate is a program where I can use that software to determine if we're going to have a property inspection waiver at the time of offer being submitted on a purchase. I can tell the realtors we're not going to have to order the appraisal. Most companies don't have that, that option. So there, there's a lot of little twists to refinancing. Sometimes you have to order the appraisal. Sometimes you don't. That's typically what the process is. Usually takes a three to four weeks, kind of depending on your scenario, what kind of documentation it's going to consist of. Cool. Um, and in conjunction with that, so is there a limit to the amount of times that I can refinance? So let, let's say it's seven and then it goes to five and then by miracle, it goes to 2.5. Like what's my time frame to get from seven to two if I've, if I've refinanced in the five? Good question. Yeah, lenders typically want to see you make at least six mortgage payments before you can refinance again, but there's no actual cap in terms of how many times you can refinance. So I've done sure. I've had clients where I've done three to four refinance transactions for them over the years. It does have to make oh, sense. Wow. A lot of companies don't really care. Are you saving five bucks a month if they can get away with that? Because there are federal regulations with how much the borrower has to save and has to check a certain amount of boxes for them to be able to approve the loan. So a lot of companies will, will take those loans that don't quite make sense, but a good loan officer is going to take the time to understand your goals, your needs. What What is the advantage of refinancing? And, and being upfront saying it doesn't really make sense to refinance given you have a great interest rate. So you, you obviously never want to take advantage of anyone or see it as an opportunity. You want to educate them, let you know the exact savings over the course of the loan, over 30 years, over the first five years, then on a monthly basis. Let, let them tell you whether it makes sense or not. Interesting. Awesome. Great information on that. Um, kind of a follow-up question to that whole uh, uh, creativity in the mortgage industry now. Does any of this creativity seem like the 2008 crash, right? That was the big trigger was, well, there were several big triggers, but one of the big triggers was the addressable rate mortgage. And then everything went up and payments went up, but then equity and the value of houses went down. Um, 
you're mentioning something that's a two one, which is an adjustable, effectively an adjustable rate mortgage. Do you see any negative effects, or what is the risk of of adding these um, into your into your home purchasing decision? Yeah, good question. I think there's always people that'll speculate that sure. this program does sound so creative and kind of you know bizarre almost that it does sound 2007 2008 mortgage meltdown esque, right? Because it's such a peculiar program, but I think by and large, these programs really help a ton of buyers make the house more affordable. There's so much qualifying with mortgages now that debt to income ratio, credit score, oftentimes they can have an approvable 620 plus credit score and they have enough income, but because of the amount of risk with the file, you just can't get approval through the automated underwriting system that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac or HUD through FHA establishes. So there's a lot of, of rail guards, so to speak, a lot of guidelines that goes in it. There is, like you said, a ton of creativity. The 2 one buy down is just one new program that's come out during the past few months that wasn't there before. There's now more bank statement loans than ever, which is essentially the concept of you being self-employed. The lender asks for 12 to 24 months of bank statements and a proof of your business license. You can use that to get loan approval also. So we're seeing a lot of new programs come out that DSCR debt service coverage ratio you can buy an investment property let's say the house has a mortgage payment of $2000 as long as you have you can get $2000 in a rent from that property you can approve that loan so the appraiser oh, wow. goes out to the property if they say the house can rent for at least $2000 to offset that payment you can get that DSCR loan approved you can hold it in an LLC of course that program's going to have a slightly higher interest rate than a conventional loan there's asset qualifier programs where you can get a loan approved. Let's say you want a million dollar loan. You have zero income. Maybe you just restructured your business. You went from LLC to an S Corp. The lender says we need two years. You have effectively zero income. If you get a million dollars in the bank, stocks, 401k, bonds, if you have the equity in other accounts other than real estate, maybe even crypto, for example, some programs you can use that. You can get the wow. loan approved if you have one for one ratio of the loan amount you're seeking with the assets you have. So there's a ton of ways to kind of get creative now. There's more options than ever. Lenders are expanding their portfolio, trying to find new avenues to bring in revenue to help as many people as possible. So that's something that is fun now too. I can kind of get creative, listen to someone's scenario. Maybe they've been denied by two, three, four lenders. They're about to hang it up and stop looking for a loan approval. And then I'll tell them that these options are out there. To answer your question, yeah, it can feel a little bit weird with how creative these programs are, I think the biggest thing is with an approval of any of these loans that we're talking about, which falls into the non-QM or non-qualified mortgage category, you have to have 20, 25% down. You often have to have a, a solid credit score. You have to have a reserve, which is effectively one mortgage payment in the bank that you're not going to use for the transaction. Sometimes mm -hmm. they want to see six, 12, maybe 50 months of reserves to be able to show that, hey, in case I lose my income, my job in case of a divorce or a weird financial scenario, I have this in the bank to pay for that loan. So yeah, it does feel a little bit weird, like you said, with all the creative options, all the different solutions out there. But because of the credit score requirements, people are effectively buying a quarter of the house by putting 20, 25% down. Sure. So when you had that much equity, the numbers have shown that they're very unlikely to foreclose to lose that property, even if there's a market downturn because they have the reserves in the bank. And they have that reserves with the amount of equity that's being untouched that's just going to stay there always. Sounds to me like um, the banks or the mortgage companies are looking for skin in the game. 
uh, as opposed to where 08, people didn't have any skin in the game. So that was easy for them to walk away. Exactly. 2008, there's a lot of option arms that were happening where you can choose every month how you wanted to make your payment interest only. There's negative amortization, which is when your loan balance stayed the exact same. You're just paying on interest or maybe that interest is actually accruing. It's getting bigger like a credit card where you're making the minimum payments. That's what 2007 was. And then mix that weird loan that I just mentioned with 100% financing where there's zero down payment. Mix that with the fact that, that maybe they didn't have a credit score. It's just 2007, looking back in retrospect, hindsight's always 2020, but it's not a shocker. Sure. Any of that stuff happened. It is pretty sad that the country got hit that hard, but there's so many uh, different uh, guidelines in place that's going to prevent that stuff from happening with that skin in the game, like you talked about, with the credit score requirements, with the work history, with the, the compensating factors to prevent any kind of devastation or loss of equity again. So it sounds to me with with uh, introduction of all these new programs, if if somebody, uh, a home, potential home buyer is looking to purchase a house, they really should call, stop looking at the headlines and call a mortgage person and see if there are options for affordability and what they can afford and how, um, how far their money is going to go. Is that right? Exactly. There's, there's only so much homework you can do by Googling, researching, watching the news. You really got to speak with someone who's in the industry, who has experience, sure. who has reviews. You can vet that person, read some reviews on the internet before you speak with them, but then they can educate you on new programs that have come out. A lot of people have never heard of the 2-1 buy-down. There's a lot of realtors I've spoken with who have never heard it. Maybe they just don't understand what it is, which is completely okay because it's so brand new. That's why conversations, dialogue, and education is so important because there's so much misleading stuff out there on the internet. Maybe if you have a home inspection, you can watch a video or kind of read up on the main components you get asked, the the water heater, the roof, the, the plumbing system. Sure. You can at least be prepared for those bigger components. With a mortgage, there's very, very little data out there to prepare yourself because it's constantly changing, right? Terms are constantly changing. Guidelines that were in place for 30 years are now gone. I have new guidelines. There's some probably something out there that just changed today that you got to have to have the notebook and guidelines in front of you at any time to find those answers, to find that new, new information that's constantly coming out. That's why conversation with a loan officer, you can never do it too early. I always recommend, even if you're a year out, just ask the basic questions. Maybe you started your own business. You're going to actually have to wait two years. Maybe you started your own business. You yeah. can get that loan approved tomorrow with that bank statement program. So have a conversation with a realtor is a great idea with a mortgage consultant, a loan officer, a mortgage banker, whatever you want to call it. Can't hurt to have that as soon as possible so you can do that pre-qualification, make sure that your income's on track to get approved, maybe check your credit karma so you can get a ballpark idea of where your credit scores are. And now companies are doing, we just rolled out a soft credit check. So even if you're buying in the year, you can still make sure your credit looks solid. So whenever that time comes, you're going to have everything teed up, ready to go. So always a great idea. Have that conversation with whoever you trust, whoever you trust the most, mortgage guy, realtor, as soon as possible. So you can have those things evaluated, have that conversation, go over any concerns you have. Put your best foot forward. Makes sense. Exactly. Makes sense. Um, I want to circle back. I'm sorry. I appreciate you explaining all that. That was, that was a ton of really positive information uh, about how to win in this strange environment uh, or new environment. So thank you for that. Um, I want to go back to something I heard because uh, 
you said you have a couple new applications that have basically just generated strictly from social media. And I, I know I, I follow the information and numbers too. I know applications are really low uh, right now. And so to have an application come in, it seems to be a success right now. Um, to have a couple of different applications from something that's relatively immature, such as your social media, as you mentioned, you only started about six months ago. I think it's a phenomenal win. Tell me about um, what avenues you're using, what social medias you're using, and kind of what your strategies with them are. Yeah, so I think for everyone has a different demographic, but I think in terms of by and large, Americans love two platforms, Instagram and TikTok. Facebook is kind of fading. Twitter a little bit harder to get that reach, but short form video yeah. is the present, it's the future. I didn't know what a reel was until February, March. And then I created Instagram a month later. Now all I see is reels on on, on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. I believe Instagram is losing market share and still is to TikTok. So they tried to replicate yeah. that. So now Instagram looks pretty similar to TikTok. So short form video is what a reel is for anyone who doesn't know. Short form video can be 15 seconds, five seconds, all the way up to a minute. I believe TikTok is now trying to compete with YouTube with 10 minute long videos. Oh, so wow. those platforms are constantly changing and it's good to stay on top of that. Re do as much research as you can, stay active in that community, watch as much videos as you can with still, you're, you're going to regulate your the time you put in there to keep up with market trends, how to reach the largest amount of people as possible, how to get the maximum reach with your videos by using specific hashtags you touched over seo so now tiktok is in sync with google you can google how to find the best home inspector how to what what questions to ask at home inspection and maybe you had a video with those exact same words and now that person that googled that is going to see your video on tiktok which i think is a pretty cool concept with well, there's it can go both ways right but i think by and large it's cool that there's so much data out there. Now it's seeking with different applications. And like you said, I, I just created my Instagram, TikTok back in, I believe it was April. And now yeah. I try to do two to three videos a week, try to stay consistent. Last week was tough. I was a little bit under the weather. So this week I'll try to compensate to do three to four videos. It's never been easier with these apps on there to edit videos, to do captions. If anyone wants to shoot me a message or ask questions about it, austin.mortgage, you can always reach out. I'm happy to kind of walk you through the learning curve that I had at first. The more you do it, the, the easier it gets. I think the toughest part is that first video. I have a lot of friends and yeah. and even a coworkers at times that maybe they made the videos, they did the editing, and they haven't saved in their Instagram draft or their TikTok draft. Just the anxiety is preventing them from uploading into the to the app. And everyone feels like that. The imposter syndrome at first, it's kind of daunting. There's so many good videos and content out there that is mine going to be good enough? But I think the faster you just commit, you take that step. Like you said, it's like walking in the open house when your hands are a little sweaty. The tenth one's going to be easier. The thousandth one is going to be cake. Now it's like these videos. The first couple, I was kind of nervous. It took me a hundred edits to do it. Now it's like I can do it within the first, you know, five to ten. There's always still things I can improve upon. But just sure. getting out there, putting yourself in that environment feels kind of weird. I still feel weird watching my videos. But who cares? Don't just don't watch it then. Just look at the engagement that comes in, interact with people that comment that like you. That like your content and answer questions. Have fun with it. Now, don't make it a chore. Don't make it about finding the next deal. Then you're just going to have negative thoughts when you go a couple months without getting that first deal, which is my first three months. So just have fun with the process. Have fun with the apps. There's a lot of cool information, videos. You can literally learn anything by just putting it on TikTok. 12 months ago, 18 months ago, I thought it was a, an app for 
14 year olds that were, were dancing in the mirror. And I always kind of laughed at it. My little cousins had it, didn't understand it. I swallowed some pride that last spring and I created my own account. And here we yeah. are. And there's, there's grown men and, and 40, 50, 60 year olds that are messaging me on there asking questions. And like you said, I had that application come through yesterday. Someone in Los Angeles that I've never still haven't spoke with him. I'm going to speak with him today. He filled out an application and hopefully we can get him set up in two to three weeks. The same goes with your business. You'll probably see that too with a realtor. It doesn't really matter what you're selling. As long as you're, you have a, a way to get to the consumer, you can pretty much sell any, mm-hmm. any program, any product, any service out there. Because everyone's on their phones pretty much all day. TikTok, Instagram, scrolling. The algorithms are too smart. They know you too well. If you're Googling how to find mortgage, 2-1 buy down, how to get the best interest rate, then guess what? It's an opportunity for myself to be able to present that information for someone out there, get that view, get that engagement, have them replay it, share it with a couple of friends. Now it's going to reach an even larger audience. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Um, again, you hit some gold on that. I mean, the first time you go like this, you point your phone at your face. Um, it's a lot like going into that open house and, and you just, you have to say, who cares? I'm not watching it and I know it's not going to get perfect and I'll get better. Um, but you're right. People are on their phone constantly. I get that every Sunday text message from Apple that says I was on my phone for five and a half hours a day. Um, and granted, I work on my phone a lot and we use our phones to create reports. So I'm probably on the higher end spectrum of it, but maybe not. I mean, I'd, I'd be willing to bet yours is pretty similar um, and you're on your phone a lot too. Um, and so it's finding ways to capitalize. It's the easiest way to talk to a lot of people and to talk to a lot of people that are not in your direct sphere of influence. Then people can that um, happen by, they can like your message, uh, and then they can dig further. And, and you you put the time and effort in and practice to make those quick connections where they where it encourages them to say, "Hey, uh, let's get into business together." And I'm going to send you some personal information because I want to I want to work with you and buy a home. I think that's incredible. Pretty cool. It's a pretty fun concept to look back at when I was had the, the video right in front of me, the camera right in front of me, trying to get the, the right takes. I, I stumbled over my words 50 times, then I edited, it finally looks good. And then now there's someone in, in Arkansas asking me a question, never been there, never been to that region of the country. Now they're filling out a mortgage application, trusting me with their life. It's it's an honor. I think it's fun. It's it's a fascinating concept. The algorithms are too smart. They they know everything and everyone too well. So if you put out a good video, it's gonna reach a large amount of people has potential to do so, they're going to push it out there. They're going to get it in front of the right people. Oftentimes, I'll have a video. I just did what I thought was my best one ever on Instagram, and it went kind of dead, or sorry, it went dead on TikTok. And I think it's the least amount of views I've ever had on TikTok. And then on Instagram, I have over 150 shares, 150 saves, and it has 10,000 views. And every day, it goes up by like 500, 1,000. So it's so cool. These algorithms just awesome. do the heavy lifting for us. They're going to push it out. The video has been out there for, I think, over a few weeks now. So if you can get the right content and find a message that's going to resonate with people, which is, could be really anything, use the right words, the keywords, SEO. It can seem like a lot at first. My advice to anyone who wants to get started, just commit. Just just focus on getting the video out there. The first few don't have to be perfect. They're probably not going to go viral. Once you do the first couple, just parlay that confidence. Keep going. Try to polish up. Maybe edit out the ums and get a little bit better. Do some watch some videos on how to get the captioning and try to perfect that craft because it is a challenge. There's still more people doing videos and reels than ever because in this industry, real estate mortgages, you have to do that to be competitive because there's so many the market's so oversaturated with realtors, with 
mortgage brokers, with mortgage lenders, that you have to do the little things. I think if you can put that first video up there, the second, third is going to be easier. And next thing you know, you'll be getting leads, paying your bills because of this. What was once a dancing app for kids is now an app for people finding information, whether it's home inspection, real estate, how to navigate through the transaction. People will Google everything. And now they're putting that directly on TikTok, which I think is just awesome and, and fascinating. And if you look back to, and you, and you know, I would also say, don't focus on the views, right? Um, just keep posting and, and post um, consistently because nobody in this entire influencer generation started out as an influencer uh, for the most part. And a lot of people did parlay their audience from Instagram into TikTok or vice versa. Um, but nobody has strictly started out with a million views per post. Nobody. Uh, so just keep posting and get better and get more relevant uh, would be my advice. That's on that. well said. If I just looked yeah. at the views I got on that TikTok app, TikTok um, video, to see whether I should put on Instagram, I, I wouldn't have done so because it didn't get any yeah. hits. The algorithm couldn't push it out and, Insta- and TikTok didn't think it was an effective video apparently. But you, there's no point in overanalyzing. Just put it out there. Put it on LinkedIn, YouTube. I'll do a, a 45-second video. Then I'll blast it on all these platforms. Just LinkedIn. There's so many people that are constantly checking open house listings that are on LinkedIn, looking at houses, researching anything they can because their company has the VPN firewall, so they can't go on a TikTok, a Facebook, a Twitter. So there's so many reasons that different platforms are going to be better than others. There's no point in getting caught up in which one I should upload it to. If you already put the hard work into creating that content, just blast it out there. Put it on Facebook put it on YouTube shorts, put it on LinkedIn, put it on TikTok, on Instagram. And then, yeah, you can look back. Don't get caught up in the views. Just keep on doing that. Be consistent. If people comment, just have fun with it. Answer questions. Sure. There's a lot of people, a lot of negativity out there. You can delete the comments. Don't look at them. Who cares? There's people in their their basement that want to have a, they're having a bad day and you can just ignore that negativity, block it out, focus on yourself. You're trying to have fun with it, educate, pay your bills, and enjoy. Focus on those things, not the other components, the views, the comments, which message is best on which platform. Just content, blast, and then sit back, relax, stay focused on work, helping people, and be consistent. Great advice. Great advice. Um, as we're approaching kind of the end of our hour, uh, I wanted to ask a couple of quick questions. Uh, as a person who's um, purchased multiple houses in the last several years, uh, both for per- residential and then also um, personal use, sorry, uh, investment use, uh, including Airbnbs. What are some things that you like about a home inspection? What are some things you like about a uh, a good home inspection company representing you? Yeah, and out? I think there's, you have an average home inspection and then the, the dwell home inspection, which obviously I'm, I'm biased to have referred several realtors and, and partners, family members, friends to you guys because you do such a thorough home inspection. And any home inspection is crucial because you're going to look over every component of the property, make sure it's in tip-top shape. Most houses aren't. This house I'm in right now is a 1959 house, but I like the bones of it. The, the pros outweighed the cons. I was able to use some of the defects in the house that you guys had noted on the report, use that as ammo to get a thousand dollar credit towards closing costs. That was a couple years ago, back when that wasn't really a thing. Now I think it's more important than ever to get a home inspection. One, because you want to know your house is in decent shape. If it's not, you want to know what you need to take out. If you want to fix your roof, once you get the keys, it's good to know that before you buy the house, you can put that cash away might affect your down payment could affect your loan options. You want to know 
what are going to be my day one costs when I move into the house? Which one are going right. to be the easy handyman fixes? Which ones are going to be, oh, wow, that roof is a shot, but in a year, I'm going to have to put some cash aside. And maybe now I'll do a 3% down instead of a 10% down. So it's great to have mm-hmm. that information. Information is power. Information from the house is going to help you get a better, maybe a better mortgage because you can get that seller credit. Maybe now you can get a price drop with the house and it's going to give you more options to have as much info as possible. Look over every crack and crevice of the house. And I think you guys do a really good job of that to give the full picture to that home buyer because it can be kind of daunting not knowing much about house. And I'm sure a good chunk of your clients are first time home buyers. Now you're probably sure. seeing them buy their second, third property, but that's yep. the first one just as important as the others. So you can make sure the house is in good shape. Save it. I put mine in my email so I can look back. Now when I have a roofer come out, I can show them the, the pictures and exam that was done a couple of years ago. And you're going to keep that forever. It's, it's crucial. For sure. Thank you. Um, I certainly appreciate the compliments on that, but I was also insightful. Um, let me clarify something too. Does the, and this is a question that we sometimes get or misconception of a new buyer, but does the mortgage company look at the potential buyer's home inspection report? Do they have any request for it? Yeah, it's a good question. And a home inspection is obviously optional. Lenders never look at that. And it really shouldn't come into the equation. If it does, it's for something that's kind of like a, a one-off scenario. So keep mm-hmm. that home inspection to yourself. Look over it with your your buyer's agent, your realtor, look over, ask questions. That'd be my advice to anyone who hasn't had an inspection or maybe wants to get another one when they buy the next house. Go over every inch of that report and make sure that in the back of your head, you can kind of rate that, whether it's a serious issue, a smaller issue, or an easy Candyman fix. The home inspections are really for yourself. It's great to have for just knowledge of your property. It's a, it's a massive asset. It's going to appreciate over time. It's probably going to cash flow if you turn it into a rental. So it's great yep. to have everything summarized into one little piece of paper, one one packet of paper. One, have my saved in my email and I'll refer to it all the time for when I have my, I need to get a new AC filter, need my handyman to come take a look and I can send him a picture of that. It's a tool that you're going to use later on in addition to using that maybe to get a better deal from the listing agents. So you can negotiate that and use it as a tool to get a better product as a, in terms of the loan and closing costs. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, if I'm a if I'm a buyer in this market or any market, um, or you said you were in five states, uh, how do I get a hold of you and and um, what are the best avenues to find you? Yeah, so I shared my Instagram earlier. It's the same for TikTok too. It's Austin A U S T I N dot Clarence C L A R E N C. Anyone in the industry, anyone who has questions, you want to look at my content or you need help with content, feel free to shoot me a message. It's fun. We're all in this together. So feel free to reach out to me to, uh, anytime. Email austin.clarence at rate, R-A-T-E dot com. Shoot away with any questions. It's never too early to have that conversation. It can't hurt to look at videos. You kind of st- study up on the market, study up on loan programs that are dropping every day to make yourself more prepared, whether that's two months from now, two years from now. Information is power, like we talked about before. But Sean, appreciate the uh, the shout out there, and thank you for your time, Austin. This has been amazing. I appreciate your time. I appreciate um, your energy and optimism. Uh, you've shared a ton of value with us today, so thank you for that. Uh, and we look forward to following up with you in the future as as the uh, as the real estate business evolves. Let's do it again. Sounds good, man. Appreciate. It. I'll see you at the next home inspection. But appreciate the platform and conversation, man. Great dialogue. I love it. Thanks, Sean. You got it.
Thank you for listening to Just Another Real Estate Podcast. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and be sure to follow Dwell Inspect Arizona on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. To contact Dwell Inspect Arizona, call us at 480-867-4599. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, email our team at office at dwellinspectaz.com.